Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Well, this morning we're going to look at the seventh and final message in this series from the book of James. Practical letter to the church by a just man. James chapter 5, if you want to find that in your Bibles. Might be easier to start at the end and head left. Those of you that have your phones, you can just punch it in and it'll come right up, sort of part of a page all right this is for all of you are you ready now listen you rich people (laughs) yeah we live in the richest country in the world by standard incomparable We will spend more on a single meal than many folks across the world make in an entire month. You see, it's easy for us when we sit here and read those opening words of chapter 5 to put it over into someone else's hands and think, oh, well, you know, we're not rich. We're just barely making it. Or, you know, we're just common folks. And, you know, we're just blue collar. We're just this. We're just this. And diminish the reality of what this is saying to us. Being part of the richest nation in the world, I say to you, now listen, you rich people. Weep, wail, because of the misery that's coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded your wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Lord, I can tell just in reading these few verses that we're going to need your help in this time today. Holy Spirit, the promise is that you would guide us into all truth. Help us this morning to realize the benefit of your word. That as we look on into this passage, that we would see what you are desiring to do in our lives. Guide us with care today. In Jesus' name we pray. I will tell you that James was writing to the dispersed Jewish people who had been in his church in Jerusalem. They had scattered all over the world. This particular portion that I just read to you would have most generally been those individuals who came in among them as Gentiles and Jews because they were dispersed throughout the world and because there was so much conflict going on in Jerusalem and Judea at this time, many, especially the wealthy, fled the city. And because they wanted to be around their people, they made their way to church, you know, to the meeting place of the Christians. So they interspersed themselves into the believers. Um, Not that that happens today. But in that day, some folks just like to come and be around Christians. They, They didn't want to go too deep into it themselves. They just wanted to be with the other Jewish people. And that's this group of Jewish people happened to be servants of Christ. So he's really addressing them. 
However, I would encourage us, before we flee on past this, to take note of what he's saying. He is saying that God is watching over how we deal with the wealth that he has placed into our hands. Very important. Once again, you may not feel wealthy this morning. <laughs> but that too can be a trick of the enemy. Because we are blessed. How we use that blessing. Whether we use that blessing just to heap upon ourselves. Or whether we use that blessing to be a blessing to others. Can be very, very important for us eternally. James addresses two final issues in his letter that are still very relevant today. And pretend you see an E. I don't know how it happens, but it does. I'm blaming this finger right here. James addresses two final issues in his letter that are still very relevant today. He calls for patience in the midst of suffering and prayer for one another. Mm. That's what this final chapter is all about. Patience and prayer. Are you ready? <laughs> You're going to do tell me what you did last week. You're just going to sit there and look at me. Here we go. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Here is an exhortation to stand firm in the Lord until he comes. Listen to verse number seven. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Mm. Exhortations to stand firm are handled in different ways depending on the present circumstance. If life is progressing in a non-threatening way, we will receive an exhortation with just a nod of approval. However, if we're in the midst of suffering or crisis or uncertainty, and an exhortation to patience comes to us, it's treated with hostility. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if, you're, if everything's going okay in your life and all is going well, and somebody talks about patience, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, patience, patience. But if you are actually going through something at that time, and someone comes and exhorts you to be patient, huh? There's a reaction, sometimes within and sometimes without. Maybe you've heard someone sound like this. I wrote a couple down. You just don't know what I'm going through. Come on. Or, well, it's easy for you to say. Or, I just don't think that God's caring all that much about my circumstance. It's amazing how we as believers, through the midst of suffering, through the midst of crisis, through the midst of struggle, how we almost immediately will take a step back at the time that we need to take a step forward into his presence. 
How many know that's a trick of the enemy? He'll make the most important thing, the big thing, to be the questions rather than the Lord, the God of the answers. Trust, trust, trusts when you don't know the answers. Huh? It's easy to trust when you've got it all figured out. It's not so easy to trust or to be patient when you do not know what's next. The call to patience here in verses 7 and 8 have a time frame. It's interesting. And we know this time frame, but we're really not anxious about this time frame. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. <laughs> well, when's that? I've been hearing that for a long, long, long time. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe today. Maybe 10 years from now. Seasons have an ending point that have an ending point can often be tolerated. Hmm? If you're going through a circumstance and you can know definitively that it has an ending point, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I have got to have a bit of surgery on my wrist and I was talking to the doctor on Friday and I said to him, okay, so how long is my recovery after you go in there and do what you're gonna do? And he says, well, everybody's different. But he says, you know, you'll be functional in one or two days. So I walked out of his office thinking, okay, functional in one or two days. He said, you know, if, if you're really needing to use it, we'll put a wrist thing on it and, okay. So then that's all I needed. It was like, okay, well, one or two days. Now, if he would have said, okay, now, mm, you might not be able to use it for six to eight weeks, then I would not be so sure about having the surgery because I've lived with the whatever it is in there for a long time already. You know what I'm saying? If we have that assurance, if we have that thought that it has an ending time, we can manage it. He's given us the ending time to the coming of the Lord. How many are happy with that? <laughs> Pastor, you have something else. I, I thought the, the James's illustration is quite interesting. When he says, the farmer waits patiently. Now, I know some farmers. How many know a farmer? They're not patient. No, 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 they're not paying. I have walked through their fields with the farmers. Waiting patiently for the spring and fall? No, 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 no. <laughs> they're really, I mean, I, I love them. Every farmer that I've known, I love them to pieces, but they're not patient people. And I, and I you know, as I read this, I thought, James, you just missed it because they're not patient people. But the reality is that every farmer knows that eventually he's going to get to take his crop out of the field. Right? Even if it's a poor crop, even if it's gotten all messed up, he is going to get to take that combine into that field at some point and take that, that grain, whatever it is, out of that field. So he has that cutoff time. And the fact that he carries with him that reality is his patience. 
Yeah, you're going to have to stay with me a little bit here. There's a phrase in the King James Version that is used over and over again, especially in the Old Testament. It goes like this. It came to pass. Hello? How many have read that? Good. You've all read scripture. That's cool. It's good advice. It came to pass. Everything has an ending point. Just because you and I do not know when that ending point is does not mean that it does not have an ending point. It came to pass. On the day that it was supposed to, it came to pass. When it was over, it came to pass. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. That's not Bill McKee. That's what the scripture says. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. There should be in us as believers, is what James is saying, there should be in us a resolve that says the Lord is coming. Because he is coming, the circumstance, the suffering, the struggle, the crisis, whatever it is that I'm going through right now, has an ending point because my Jesus is coming back for me. There are two types of patience in Scripture. And I'm not going to wear you out on this, but I do want to show you the two types. And I'm going to give you a Greek word, which I know all of you are just sitting there waiting to hit. The first word is macrothumia. It means forbearance, self-restraint. Hmm. Get a hold of yourself stuff. This is the word that is used in this passage. Now we all know this. We know how circumstances, how suffering, how crisis, how indecision and all these things that come down all of our lives. You may not be going through it today, but hang on. You're, you'll get to test this. Because it comes to all of our lives. He's saying when circumstances go berserk in your life, hold on. Stand firm. Did you hear what I said a few minutes ago? The tendency in almost every believer is when a circumstance comes, we have a tendency to scoot back. Why? Because we don't understand. Sometimes we'll even say, God, I don't understand why you're doing this to me. I don't understand. I've loved you and I've served you. I've taught Sunday school. I've dealt with five-year-old kids. I should get something special. We don't say that part, but we do think it. Come on. He knows us. He knows how we react. Our questions push us away from him. And he says, when you're in the midst of crisis, when you're in the midst of struggle, keep in mind, this, is, this has an ending point, and stand firm. Forbear. Hold on. You can do it. You think Paul was just blowing smoke when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I think so many of us forget this is a prison epistle. He's in a dungeon chained to a wall in filth all around him. He wasn't just preaching to us. He's proclaiming his own stand. I mean, this guy spent more time in jail than he did out of jail because of the cause of Christ. Tell me he didn't have a question or two. But he was persuaded that he is able to keep that 
which was committed unto him against that day. Against what day? Against the day of his coming. The apostle Paul was looking for the coming of the Lord. How we can stand here 2,000 years later and go, boy, he missed that. But you see, it held up for him. When he was in chains, when he was in poverty, when he was in struggle, when he was in great difficulty, when he was suffering, when he was in crisis, he stood still because his Lord was coming. As a matter of fact, he began to call the Lord's coming the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of my God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. See, it wasn't just, he wasn't just putting down something that would preach. He's putting down the reality in which he stands. Hmm. I think it's interesting. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says, or do you show contempt for the richness, riches of his kindness, his tolerance, his patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? See, this trait of patience is first in God. We say, oh God, why haven't you come back? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If he steps into this world and begins to judge this world, his judgment will be complete. You don't want God to step into this mess until everybody that can be saved is saved. Because it's not like, you know, he can start raining fire down and you can go run over to your neighbor at that time and say, now you need to know Jesus. Today's the day of salvation. This is endurance toward people. Putting up with people. It is forbearance for the stuff that others throw at you. The Lord is coming. Yeah. Why would God do this? Why would he arrange this? Why, why doesn't he just answer every prayer that we pray? Why doesn't he just respond like we think that he said he would do? But Lord, I ask you for this. Why? What? Because... You and I need to learn the attribute of patience and let him be God. What if choosing to show his wrath and make his power known bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for his glory? In other words, God just might be doing something bigger than what you and I can see or imagine. That even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our struggle, if we will stand with him, if we will rely on the fact that he has given us the promise of hope that he is returning, if we will stand, he has the Ability to bring something incredible out of that mess. You say, but I can't see it. Well, you're not God. So the first word was macrothumia. Once again, forbearance, self-restraint. The second word is this. Hupomone. To persevere, remain under... Endure. How many like that word? <laughs> no. <laughs> Persevere. Remain under. Endure. Yay! It is associated with hope. And refers to that quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It goes right along with the other one. To learn to stand firm. In the midst of a circumstance, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of suffering. Learn, Christians, learn 
to stand firm. I think it's grand to profess this to the Lord. Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why I'm having to go through this, but I'm not going anywhere. Because I have found in you the hope of everlasting life. I am believing and trusting in your word that says you're coming back for me. Huh? See, see, you know, we, we think, okay, faith. Yes, I have faith. I believe that the Lord is going to take me to heaven when I die. Praise God for that. But the faith that he is wanting to pour into you is the faith to live your life as it exists right now. To live with the hope of the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To live with the reality that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those called according to his purpose. In other words, as we are living our lives according to his purpose, he has promised whatever, whatever comes into our lives, it will work toward our good. Once again, he's giving us parameters. We took our grandson to uh, bowling once. And we're not really bowlers. It would just seem like a fun thing to do. And so we spent the whole evening as he would roll the ball and it would go right into the gutter and miss the pins. And then somewhere, I don't remember who it was, was it the person at the end or what it was, Sharon might remember, but someone said, why don't you put the bumpers up? Bumpers? Oh, yeah, yeah, you just push this button and the things come up on the side and then it doesn't go into the gutter. And if I remember right, we tried it. He got to try it once or twice or something or other. And sure enough, man, it bumped into the bumper and right on down there and knocked a bunch of pins over. And, and of course, we felt stupid. <laughs> These things are bumpers for us, folks. This, this is God's setting up the, setting up the field. He's putting, he's putting the rails down the side so that we don't go off the path. He's saying, here, let me give you these things. If you will allow me, he says, I will put in you patience to be able to stand no matter what's going on in your life. And if you haven't figured this out yet, just let this old pastor tell you something. There's stuff coming in your life. The only way you're going to get away from it is to die. So look forward to it. But what are you going to do with it when it comes? There will be crisis. Represented in this room, there's going to be crisis of every kind. There's going to be physical crisis. There's going to be emotional crisis. There's going to be financial crisis. Here they come. James started off this book saying, count it all joy when you enter into divers or many temptations or struggles. Because they, uh-oh, work hupomone in your life. They lead to you being built up to where you can stand and stand strong, have endurance through many different struggles. Yeah, there should be shouting. I mean, you should be just running in the aisles right now, but that's okay, I can take it. Listen to the variable that God brings to suffering. We continually remember, and this was Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica. He says, we continually remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your hupomone, your endurance... Inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you have this? You have this patience in your life by the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. To be able to say when you're in the midst of struggle or crisis or difficulty, I don't know how, I don't know when, but the Lord is going to bring me through. Because he has promised victory to those that belong to him. And as I come through this thing, it is actually going to be 
for my benefit. See, if you can receive that, if you don't just let that run off of you this morning, it can be powerful in the midst of your next trial, your next struggle. Because, see, everything will pull against you. Your flesh, the enemy of your flesh, everything will pull against you to discourage you when you are suffering, when you're struggling. Everything. A day like today is when you equip yourself for a day like that. To where you truly get it settled down inside of you. My Lord, my God loves me. He sent Jesus into this world to redeem me and he has sent his Holy Spirit to be my comforter, to be my advocate, to be with me always to the ends of the earth. He's never going to let me go. Get it into your hearts today and then when the day of suffering, when the day of struggle comes along, you'll say, what was it? What was it? Oh, yeah. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Understanding. Understanding today that he is your hope. Can you just say that? Jesus is my hope. Do you say it? Jesus is my hope. Say it one more time. You see, my hope is that by saying that, that it would get into a new place in your own ears and in your own body. That as you go through circumstances, Jesus is my hope. Is he going to end the circumstance? Can't promise that. If that's all you want, then this isn't for you. Honestly, if the only way that God can show you that he loves you is if he ends your every suffering, you're done. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. That means he has it all under control, whether we realize it or not. And you and I are charged with be patient. Rest on the hope that you have in Christ. Over the last 45 years, I've walked with a lot of people who have gone through dire circumstances, cancers, and from the diagnosis all the way through until either the cure comes or death. So I've watched this a number of times and I can tell you, it's like a roller coaster. And I've even said this to some of you, don't get on the roller coaster. Because you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And lo and behold, somebody starts going through the process and sure enough, they have good days and then they have bad days. And if, if you are not standing firm in the Lord, you will ride that roller coaster until it makes you sick. On the good days, oh, good, everything's going great. Yay, yay, yay. And the next day when it all crashes, then you're just, oh, my goodness, the Lord doesn't love me or anything. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will be your Jesus on the good days. He will be your Jesus on the bad days and the difficult days. And he will see you through if you will allow him. And that can be your hope. Take your stand in Christ. Huh? Oh, another song comes to mind. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Wow. Hmm. In, uh, how do we get patience? Listen to this. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance, hupomone, and the encouragement of scripture, that we might have hope. 
So in other words, everything that was written in here was written for the purpose of showing us that God can bring us through. Daniel in a lion's den. How many know the story? Written so that you would know that our God is a deliverer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, beautiful story. You say, but now wait a minute. They were thrown into the fire. Ah, uh, yes, but they were not in there alone. There was a fourth man in the fire. Huh? All of this was written. All of these Bible stories that you learned when you were a child, all of this was written so that you would have hope to realize that the Lord would bring you through. Even in disobedience when the, the Israelites for 40 years wandered in the desert. Keep reading. When he brought them to the promised land, their sandals had not worn out. They had had bread every day and water to drink miraculously from a rock. Listen, you see, there are things that God can only teach us in struggle. It's the only way you can learn them. There is a level of trust in him that we can only learn by going through it. But you will never be alone. Now I said there's two things. There's patience and there's a second one. And that is prayer. He begins in verse number 12. And he says, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, and, or else you will be condemned. And I don't know about you, but in reading that passage, and I've read it through a number of times, it looks like that verse doesn't match up to the rest. He's been talking about patience, and now he's going to talk about prayer. And he throws in there about letting our yeses be yes and our no be no. Let me put it in this context. When you're going through suffering or a great trial, have you ever tried to bargain with God? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> it sounds like this. God, if you'll just do this, I will do this. Or God, I promise if you'll relieve my suffering, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Or maybe this one. God, if you'll answer my prayer and bring my relief from this trial, I will start reading my Bible and praying for an hour every day. You understand what James is saying now? He's saying, don't be making a bunch of loose promises thinking that those will change your circumstance. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Speak honestly to God. I, I think sometimes we miss this. God will not hate you if you tell him you're mad at him. I think that point of honesty that we can have with our God is powerful. To say, God, I have questions and I'm struggling because I don't have the answers. He has no trouble with that. That level of honesty between you and your God will be powerful in your life. But you see, he doesn't leave us there. Because as Alexander Ross says, suffering is sure to come and the sovereign remedy for all suffering is prayer. Prayer. James says it like this. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Sing songs of praise. A form of prayer. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call. Or let me qualify that. Is anyone among you so sick that you can't reach out for yourself? 
called for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. Will it happen instantaneously? He doesn't promise that. He promises that healing will come. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer that is a specific expression of the need. The qualifier of a righteous man. Say, so, oh, that does it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not that righteous. You are in Christ Jesus. The promise, it will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. <sighs> You're going to go through some stuff. It's the reality of our life. It's coming if it's not already here. How many, how many are going through some stuff right now? Yeah. Uh, this is for you. But it's also for those of you that are not going through some stuff right now because it's coming. Learn. He's calling us to be patient, but not just, not just having to scrape together some patience ourselves. He's saying, put your hope in me. Put your hope in the Lord. Realize that he has this all under control all the way up to the point where he's coming back. So everything between now and when he comes back to receive us into heaven, he's got it all under control. May not seem like it, but if you will stand in the hope that you have in him, he will bring you through. What should I do? Pray. Learn to pray. And, and folks, listen, not, not all prayer has to be words. Sometimes it can be you sitting quietly in the presence of the Lord, just sitting there and saying, Lord, I don't know what to say, but I'm here with you. Trusting and standing. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I'm going to stand with you. Hmm. He ends this right here. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Once again, here's a scripture that doesn't seem to fit with all the rest. He's been talking about patience, then he goes to prayer, and now he starts talking about people that have wandered from the faith. I believe he's saying to those that have already through your suffering lost hope. The Lord's ready to receive you back. You've already failed to stand. Maybe you've said things, maybe you've done things, maybe you've thought things, maybe you've fought with things, and you have already turned loose of hope. But perhaps the Holy Spirit speaking some word into your heart today says, maybe I need to come back and get it right with the Lord. He's telling us here, the Lord's waiting. And for you as believers to help somebody else that may be in the midst of that struggle, to take them by the hand and say, you're not alone. Let me pray with you. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're struggling. But I'm standing with you. I mean that. 
See? Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You, you and I as believers have an opportunity to come arm in arm. Because see, sometimes some struggles, some difficulties are just overwhelming. And especially if you start giving in to them. Once you start giving in to them, it's, it can be quite a slide. And so it is really wonderful to have the body of Christ to be able to say, hey, you know what? I can tell you're hurting. May not even know all the particulars. I can just see. I can tell you're hurting. It, it may come because you don't see them anymore in the church. Maybe they're not answering phone calls and things. And you say, uh-oh, something's happened. You care enough to go find them. You can save a soul. Father in heaven, I thank you this morning. You're ready. You're ready to help us with all of our struggles. You're not going to change who you are. But you're ready to help us as we walk and move through this life to be able to stand in the midst of suffering, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of struggle. Help us to realize this morning, if everything else passes from our mind, help us to realize you have not forgotten us. You're ready to stand with us and to bring us through this trial, this struggle that we're in. Mm. As we conclude this service this morning, just in response to the word, I would like for those of you who are going through the struggle, going through the difficulty, but you're wanting to make a statement of faith to the Lord, to say, Lord, I believe you're going to see me through this circumstance, this struggle, this difficulty. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand right where you're at, just as a, a proclamation of your faith. It may be, Lord, on my own, I don't think I can handle this. But you're realizing by faith that you're not alone. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus, is with you. Yes. Mm. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to your name. Perhaps there's someone in this room and you have already given up on God. You just showed up today, either out of habit or because someone else was expecting you. But you've already given up on God. You've already turned your face away from him because it didn't all unfold the way you thought. But you're willing today to... Give God the opportunity to take over in your life. Why don't you stand? And by standing, say, Lord, here am I. Confused, in struggle, in difficulty. Forgive me, Lord, for where I have sinned. Forgive me for where I have Failed to trust you, but here am I. I put my life into your hands, Lord. Mm. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Could everyone stand with me, please? I want to invite particularly those who were standing, but maybe everyone else and anyone else that you realize that there's struggle coming and you want to prepare your heart and your life and your mind, preparing yourself for what is coming down the road. I invite you to come down and spend some time at this altar. Just set it in. Set the word of the Lord deep into the soil of your heart so that the enemy cannot steal it.
We're just going to let these folks, is there anybody here with you? Okay. Play a song for us. And we'll just spend just a moment here allowing everyone to, that wants to come to come. And then we'll say the amen to the service. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hmm. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Blessed Lord. you, Jesus. Mm. There's an old song that some of you would know. It says, I am weak but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Instead of running away from the Lord in your trial, folks, run to him. Learn to pray in the difficult times. Father in heaven, I thank you this morning for this hour that we have spent together. Pray your blessings upon these folks as they leave this house. May your word go with us. May the beauty of fellowship remain in our hearts. We pray once again for Jimmy's family asking, oh Lord, that you would be with them. Now they progress through this time of transition, life without him here in the physical body. Guide all of us as we reach out and offer them our love and our arms to hold on to. May your peace and your strength flow through this church family this week as we stand in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. May you have a great week in the Lord. Amen.